chapter fifteen of yon of the windmill this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. yon of the windmill by juliana horatia ewing chapter fifteen willem gives jan some advice the clock face the hornet and the dame jan draws pigs jan and his patrons kitty tudor the fight master tudor's prediction jan went back to school though his foster-mother was indignant and ready to do battle both with dame datchett and with william smith's aunt with whom in lieu of parents the boy lived and though abel expressed his anxiety to go down and teach willem to bite one of his own size jan steadily rejected their help and said manfully jan bean't feared o un i whooped un i did so mrs lake doctored his bruises and sent him off to school again she yielded the more readily that she felt certain that the windmiller would not take the child's part against the dame no further misfortune befell him william if loutish and a bit of a bully on occasion was not an ill-natured child and having a turn for humour of a broad unintellectual sort he and jan became rather friendly on the common but reprehensible ground of playing pranks which kept the school in a titter and the dame in doubt and if detected they did not think a dose of the strap by any means too high a price to pay for their fun for william's sufferings under that instrument of discipline were not to be measured by his doleful howlings and roarings nor even by his ready tears what be ee so voolish for as to say nothing when her wallops ee he asked of jan in a very friendly spirit one day thee should holler as loud as ee can them that hollers and cries murder she soon stops for does dame datchett she be feared of their mothers hearing em and comin after em jan could not lower himself to accept such base advice but his superior adroitness did much to balance the advantage william had over him in a less scrupulous pride as to learning i fear that after the untoward consequences of his zeal for the alphabet jan made no effort to learn anything but cat's cradle from his neighbours on one other occasion indeed he was somewhat overzealous and only escaped the strap for his reward by a friendly diversion on the part of his friend the dame had a dutch clock in the corner of her kitchen the figures on the face of which were the common arabic ones and not roman and as one of the few things the dame professed was to teach the clock she would when the figures had been recited after the fashion in which her scholars shouted over the alphabet set those who had advanced to the use of slates to copy the figures from the clock face slowly and sorrowfully did william toil over this lesson again and again did he rub out his ill-proportioned fives with so greasy a finger and such a superabundance of moisture as to make a sort of puddle into which he dug heavily and broke two pencils if i've be such an anchored bigger he muttered in reply to jan who had looked up inquiringly as the second pencil snapped twill come all right though when a dries it did dry but, but anything but right jan rubbed out the mass of thick and blotted strokes and when the dame was not looking he made william's figures for him jan was behindhand in spelling but to copy figures was no difficulty to him having helped his friend thus he pulled his smock to draw attention to his own slate the other children wrote so slowly that time had hung heavy on his hands and instead of copying the figures in a row he had made a drawing of the clock face with the figures on it but instead of the hands he had put eyes nose and mouth and below the mouth a round grey blot which william instantly recognised for a portrait of the mole on dame datchett's chin 
this brilliant caricature so tickled him that he had a fit of choking from suppressed laughter and he and jan being detected in mischief were summoned with their slates to the dame's chair william came off triumphant but when the dame caught sight of jan's slate without minutely examining his work she said so thee's been scrailing on thee slate instead of writing these figures and at once began to fumble beneath her chair but william had slightly moved the strap with his foot as he stood with a perfectly unmoved and vacant countenance beside the dame which made some delay and as mrs datchett bent lower on the right side of her chair william began upon the left a hum which with a close imitation of the crowing of a cock the grunting of a pig and the braying of a donkey formed his chief stock of accomplishments drat the thing where bein said the dame endangering her balance in the search Bzzz, went william behind the chair and he added sotto voce to jan she be as dunch as a biddle at last the dame heard and looked round be that a harnet missus do ee think said william with a face as guileless as a babe's dame datchett rose in terror william bent to look beneath her chair for the hornet and of course repeated his hum as the hornet could neither be found nor got rid of the alarmed old lady broke up the school and went to lay a trap of brown sugar outside the window for her enemy and so jan escaped a beating but this and the story of his first fight are digressions it yet remains to be told how he took to drawing pigs dame datchett's cottage was the last on one side of the street but it did not face the street but looked over the water meadows and the little river and the bridge as jan sat on the end of the form he could look through the dame's open door the chief view from which was of a place close by the bridge and on the river's bank where the pig-minders of the village brought their pigs to water day after day when the tedium of doing nothing under dame datchett's superintendence was insufficiently relieved to jan's active mind by pinching willem till he giggled or playing cat's cradle with one of his foster brothers did he welcome the sight of a flock of pigs with their keeper scuttling past the dame's door and rushing snorting to the stream much he envied the freedom of the happy pig-minder whilst the vagaries of the pigs were an unfailing source of amusement the degree and variety of expression in a pig's eye can only be appreciated by those who have studied pigs as moorland must have studied them the pertness the liveliness the humour the love of mischief the fiendish ingenuity and perversity of which pigs are capable can be fully known to the careworn pig-minder alone when they are running away and when are they not running away they have an action with the hind legs very like a donkey in a state of revolt but they have none of the donkey's too numerous grievances and if donkeys squealed at every switch as pigs do their undeserved sufferings would have cried loud enough for vengeance before this jan's opportunities for studying pigs were good as the smallest and swiftest of the flock his tail tightly curled and indescribable jauntiness in his whole demeanour came bounding to the river's brink followed by his fellows driving pushing snuffing winking and gobbling and lastly by a small boy in a large coat with a long switch jan was witness of the whole scene from dame datchett's door and as he sat with his slate and pencil before him he naturally took to drawing the quaint comic faces and expressive eyes of the herd and their hardly less expressive backs and tails and to depicting the scenes which took place when the pigs had enjoyed their refreshment and with renewed vigour led their keeper in twenty different directions instead of going home back up the road where he could hardly drive them at the point of the switch a few hours before by sharp turns into squire 
amabee's grounds or the churchyard and helter-skelter through the water-meadows the fame of jan's picture-making had gone before him to dame datchett's school by the mouths of his foster-brothers and sisters and he found a dozen little voices ready to dictate subjects for his pencil make a ouse yanny lake make the bother's mill yanny lake make a man make dame datchett make the parson make the cheap jack make daddy angel make master tudor make a oss cow ship pig but the popularity obtained by jan's pigs soon surpassed that of all his other performances make pigs for i yanny lake and make pigs for i too was a sort of whispering chorus that went on perpetually under the dame's nose but when she found that it led to no disturbance that the children only huddled round the child jan and his slate like eager scholars round a teacher dame datchett was wise enough to be thankful that jan possessed a power she had never been able to acquire that he could keep the young varmints quiet he be most goods a monitor thought the dame and she took a nap and jan's genius held the school together the children tried other influences besides persuasion jan lake i've brought thee an apple dray out a pig for i honest slate jan had a spirit of the most upright and honourable kind he never took an unfair advantage into the petty cunning which was willem's only idea of wisdom he seemed by nature incapable of stooping but in addition to and alongside of his artistic temperament there appeared to be in him no small share of the spirit of a trader the capricious artistic spirit made him fitful in his use even of the beloved slate but when he was least inclined to draw the offer of something he very much wanted would spur him to work and in the spirit of a true trader he worked well he would himself have made a charming study for a painter as he sat surrounded by his patrons who watched him with gaping mouths of wonderment as his black eyes moved rapidly to and fro between the river's brink and his slate and his tiny fingers steered the pencil into cunning lines which made pigs the very moral as william declared smacking his corduroy breeches with delight sometimes jan hardly knew that they were there he was so absorbed in his work his eyes glowed with that strong pleasure which comes in the very learning of any art perhaps of any craft now and then indeed his face would cloud with a different expression and in fits of annoyance like that in which his foster-mother found him outside the windmill he would break his pencils and ruthlessly destroy sketches with which his patrons would have been quite satisfied but at other moments his face would twinkle with a very sunshine of smiles as he was conscious of having caught exactly the curve which expressed obstinacy in this pig's back or the air of reckless defiance in that other's tail and so he learned little or nothing and improved in his drawing and kept the school quiet and had always a pocket well filled with sweet things nails string tops balls and such treasures earned by his art one day as he sat making pigs for one after another of the group of children round him a pig of especial humour having drawn a murmur of delight from the circle this murmur was dismally echoed by a sob from a little maid on the outside of the group it was master tudor's little daughter a pretty child with an oval dainty featured face and a prim gentleness about her like a good little girl in a good little story the intervening young rustics began to nudge each other and look back at her kitty tudor be crying they whispered what be amiss with thee then kitty tudor said jan looking up from his work and the question was passed on with some impatience as her tears prevented her reply what be amiss with thee yanny lake have never made a pig for i 
sobbed the little maid with her head dolefully inclined to her left shoulder and her oval face pulled to a doubly pensive length i axed my father to let me get him a posy and a said i might and i got un some vine bloody warriors and a heap of boys love off our big bush that smelled beautiful and father says a can have some water blobs off our pond when they blows but tommy green met i as a was coming down to school and a snatched my flowers from me and i begged un to let me keep some of a un and a only laughed at me and i daren't go back for i was late and now i've nothing to give yanny late to make a draught of a pig for i and having held up for the telling of her tale the little maid broke down in fresh tears jan finished off the tale of the pig he was drawing with a squeak of the pencil that might have come from the pig itself and stuffing the slate into its owner's hands he ran up to kitty chuter and kissed her wet cheeks saying give i thee slate kitty chuter and i'll make thee the best pig of all i don't want nothing from thee forth and when school's done i'll wop tommy green if i sees him and forthwith without looking from the door for studies jan drew a fat sow with her little ones about her the other children clustering round to peep and crying ye've made kitty chuter one two three four five pigs ah and there be two more you can't see because the old un be lying on em said jan six seven william counted and he assisted the calculation by sticking up first a thumb and then a forefinger as he spoke some who had not thought half a ball of string or a dozen nails as good as new too much to pay for a single pig drawn on one side of their slates and only lasting as long as they could contrive to keep the other side in use without quite smudging that one were now disposed to be dissatisfied with their bargains but as the school broke up and tom green was seen loitering on the other side of the road everything was forgotten in the general desire to see jan carry out his threat and whop a boy bigger than himself for bullying a little girl jan showed no disposition to shirk and william acted as his friend and held his slate and book success is not always to the just however and poor jan was terribly beaten by his big opponent though not without giving him some marks of the combat to carry away kitty chuter wept bitterly for jan's bloody nose but he comforted her saying never mind kitty if he plagues thee again i'll fight him again and again till i wops he but his valour was not put to the proof for tommy green molested her no more jan washed his face in the water meadows and went stout-heartedly home where master lake beat him afresh as he ironically said to teach him to fight young varmints like himself instead of minding his book but upon master tudor of the heart of oak the incident made quite a different impression he was naturally pleased by jan's championship of his child and added to this he was much impressed by the sketch on the slate it was he said the living likeness of his own sow and as she had seven young pigs the portrait was exact allowing for the two which jan had said were out of sight he gave kitty a new slate and kept the sketch which he showed to all incomers he displayed it one evening to the company assembled round the hearth of the little inn and took occasion to propound his views on the subject of jan's future life master tudor was fond of propounding his views a taste which was developed by always being sure of an audience it's nothing to me said master tudor speaking of jan who the boy be it be no fault of his'n if he's a fondling and one thing's sure enough them that left him with master lake left something besides him there was that advertisement you remember that about the five-pound bill in the paper daddy angel ay ay master tudor said daddy angel after the big storm five year ago sartinly master tudor was it ever found do you think said master lindsay the painter and decorator 
it must have been found said the landlord but i bean't so sure about its having been given up the notice was in so long and whoever did find un must have found un at once but what i says is five pound notes lost as easy as that comes from where there's more of the same sort and if master lake be paid for the boy he can afford to prentice him when his time comes eve boys enough of his own to take to the mill and jan do seem to have such an uncommon turn for drawing things out i'd try him with painting and varnishing if he was mine and i believe he'd come to signs too look at that now it be small and the boy have had no paint to lay on but there's the sign of the jolly sow for you as natural as life you know about signs master linseed continued the landlord for there was a tradition that the painter could do picture signs though he had only been known to renew lettered ones since he came to the neighbourhood master lake should prentice him with you when he's older master tudor said in conclusion but master linseed did not respond warmly he felt it a little beneath his dignity as a sign painter to jump at the idea though the rest of the company assented in a general murmur scrawling on a slate the painter and decorator began and at this point he paused after the leisurely customs of the district to light his pipe at the leaden weighted candlestick which stood near and then as his hearers sat expectant but not impatient proceeded scrawling on a slate is one thing master tudor painting and decorating's another painting's a trade and not rightly to be understood by them that's not larned it nor to be picked up by all as can scrawl a line here and a line there as the whim takes em take oak graining and here master linseed paused again with a fine sense of effect who'd ever think of taking a comb to it as didn't know and for the knots i've worked em now with a finger now a thumb over a shutter front till it looked that beautiful the man it was done for told me himself i'd rather says he have em as you've done em than the real thing but young hands is nowhere with the knots they puts em in too thick the company said ay ay in a tone of unbroken assent for master linseed was understood to have come from a distance and to know a good deal but an innkeeper stands above a painter and decorator anywhere and especially on his own hearth and master tudor did not mean to be put down i suppose old hands were young uns once master linseed said he and if the boy were never much at oak graining i'd back him for sign painting if he were taught why the pigs he draws out look you i could cut em up and not a piece missing not a joint nor as much as would make a pound of sausages and if it draws pigs why not osses why not any other kind ay ay said the company i be thinking continued master tudor of a gentleman as drawed out that mare of my father's that ran in the mail you remember the coaches daddy angel ay ay master tudor between lunnon and exeter ran fine days at the heart of oak then master tudor he weren't a sign painter that i knows on they were something more in the gentry way said master tudor not perhaps quite without malice in the distinction he were what they calls in genteel talk a artist said master linseed removing his pipe to supply the missing word with a sense of superiority no not a artist said master tudor though it do begin with a a too twasn't a artist he was twas a amateur said the travelled sign painter that be it said the innkeeper a amateur and he was short of money i fancy and so twas settled a should paint this mare of my father's to set against the bill and a drawed and a squinted at him and a squinted at un and a drawed and laid the paint on till the picture looked all in a mess and then he took un away to vintage but when a sent it home i thought my father would have had the law of un i'm blessed if a hadn't given the mare four white feet and shoulders that wouldn't have pulled a vegetable cart and she near wheeler of the mail i'd lay a pound bill yon lake would a done her ever so much better for as young a hand 
as a is if i'd squinted at her as long well well master tudor said the painter and decorator rising to go let the boy draw pigs and osses for his living and i wish he may find paint as easy as slate pencil master linseed's parting words produced upon the company that somewhat unreasonable depression which such ironical good wishes are apt to cause but they only roused the spirit of contradiction in master tudor and heightened his belief in jan's talents more than any praise from the painter could have done here's a pretty cattle about giving a boy's due said the innkeeper but i knows the points of a os and the makings of a pig if i bean't a sign painter and mark my words the boy jan ull outpaint master linseed yet master tudor spoke with triumph in his tone but it was the triumph of delivering his sentiments to unopposing hearers there were moments of greater triumph to come of which he yet wotted not when the sevenfold fulfilment of his prediction should be past dispute and attested from his own walls by more lasting monuments of jan's skill than the too perishable sketch which now stood like a text for the innkeeper on the mantelpiece of the heart of oak End of chapter fifteen